Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Stephen Means. That's Nathan Baird. That's Andrew Gillis. And it's NFL Combine Week, which means for eight Ohio State football players, it's basically a job interview in Indianapolis. Nathan will be there for us on the ground, boots on the ground, not all week, but for most of the week, as long as there's Ohio State football players there covering it. Get the text 614-350-3315. Anything he hears, anything he sees, anything he talks about, it's going to go through the text first before any where else and as we start this combine conversation a lot of this conversation is going to be since nathan's going to be there asking questions what's nathan just most interested in this week in talking with some of these guys but off the top the biggest news already coming out of the combine daniel jeremiah reporting that marvin harrison jr is not doing drills isn't doing anything at the combine and is actually maybe might not even do anything at pro day he's going to focus more on preparing for his rookie year in the nfl i actually saw marvin in the woody last week doing some of that preparation so he wasn't in indianapolis last week he was in columbus last week but nathan when you're looking at a guy like marvin harrison jr and the prospect that he is and i think it's pretty clear at this point that more than likely he's going to be, at bare minimum, the first non-quarterback taken off the board. We saw this with Chase Young in 2020 where he came out and said he's just doing position drills. He's not doing any of the 40 and all the other testing stuff. And obviously he didn't get a pro day because the world went weird. But how – is this uncommon to see players of this caliber in terms of how they're viewed in the NFL draft space to choose to not do anything whatsoever? And are you shocked that Marvin Harrison Jr. took this route? Is it uncommon? No, it's the status quo now. There's players who have much less certain high first-round status than Harrison who have been certainly skipping stuff at uh, the Combine. And it would be maybe a little bit unusual if he does nothing all the way through Pro Day. Uh, But at the same time, he has nothing to gain. Nothing to gain from all those workouts. It's, It's only, for him, it becomes only a thing about what is your... He's a competitive guy. He's competitive um, into how he's regarded across college football. He's competitive against his dad's legacy. And uh, there may be some incentive for him to go in and 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 have great workouts there just to say he did and, and leave that as part of his um, his own legacy. But there's just nothing to gain. Like he's going to be the first non-quarterback taken. That's kind of like consensus across the board. Probably at worst, he might be the second non-quarterback off the board, which is going to keep him as a top five pick. There's nothing to gain, literally nothing to gain from doing, going through this process. I mean, last year at the combine, when I was there, we were having conversations with NFL draft types who were saying that the bears, if Harrison was in that draft would have to think about taking him number one overall. So nothing has changed. Nothing has made him a worse prospect. I would argue in the past year. And I have gone into this whole process assuming that he's not going to participate not going to you know do the full shebang uh in in indianapolis and we'll, we'll see what happens with ohio state's pro day 
literally nothing has changed at this point. It's a year later. The Bears once again have the number one pick and have yeah. to decide whether or not they should take him or take a quarterback in the situation. And, <laughs> Andrew, we have seen the other side of this, though, right? We've seen surefire top five picks decide to do things at the combine. CJ Stroud a year ago decided to use that platform to do so. Are there benefits to doing things the other had Marvin Harrison Jr. gone the other way with this? I mean, I, I guess there are some benefits. Um, I think the thing with Stroud was that, you know, that's a conversation and that's a day you're trying to prove that you're QB1. Marv isn't proving that he's wide receiver one, I don't believe, right? Like, I don't think that anybody, I mean, I'm sure there's some scout out there, or maybe even one team out there that has, you know, neighbors ahead of Marv or a Dunze ahead of Marv or something like that. So, you know, maybe that's the case. But I think you would say that it's pretty, pretty unanimous that that Marv is is consensus wide receiver one. So, I, yeah, there, I guess, is a benefit because maybe you can show off a little bit. But to me, Marv's draft status isn't based in anything Marvin Harrison Jr. does or does not do. To me, it is based in, okay, what are the teams ahead of whatever that need a quarterback do, right? Like, do the Bears take a quarterback? Seems pretty clear that the Commanders are going to take a quarterback. The Patriots are probably going to take a quarterback. And then you get to the and then you get to the Cardinals at four. And then it's, okay, what happens there? So, like, to me, the conversation can be pointed to a bunch of different things, but it's completely out of Marvin Harrison Jr.'s hands because quarterback is, I, I don't care how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is, quarterback is the preferred option especially when you're picking this high in the draft and if the bears or the commanders or the patriots or the falcons want to trade up or the vikings want to trade up or something like that like if that becomes their prerogative they will take a quarterback over marvin harrison jr because you need a quarterback in the nfl so i don't think marvin harrison jr really can look at this and say well you know i can really kind of boost my draft status because he could go out there and run a 421 and vertical jump the best that anybody's ever had a vertical jump and do all these great things and make all these great catches. And it's just not going to matter if the teams uh, like in the top two or three want a quarterback. So I think it's a little bit different um, from that perspective. It's a lot different. Like there's no real comparison yeah. here between Harrison and what Stroud was last year. It is more mm -hmm. like Stephen, as you alluded to before, it's a little bit more like Chase Young in 2020. Mm -hmm who was seen as um, obviously Joe Burrow had to go number one overall. And then it was, he was seen as really consensus, the best guy who could then go. Um, and it was just yep. a matter of whether Washington was going to take him or if there was going to be a trade up. I think what's going to be interesting is when we get closer to pro day and what ends up happening there, because we've seen similar situations. I mean, mm -hmm. Austin's had first round wide receivers the last two years, but Jackson's been the Jigba had CJ Stroud, who was also going through his pro day, throwing to him. Uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave had CJ Stroud throwing them. Cardell Jones participated as well, but the big deal was CJ Stroud was getting his first real look at the NFL because he was helping Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave with their pro day. The year before that, it's Justin Fields going through his pro day. Uh, the wide receivers before that, the year before that, uh, were Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack, who probably weren't going to get drafted anyway. But either way, they didn't get to have a pro day. And then the year before that, you've got Dwayne Haskins going through his pro day. So it's it's Kyle McCord's not back. I, I'm not sure Marvin Harrison and Will Howard know each other very well. So I wonder how much that's going to impact who, if Marvin Harrison Jr. does indeed do at least position drills at the pro day. It'll be interesting to see who his quarterback ends up being and what. It's going to be like trying to build some rapport there in a very short amount of time. Well, it sounds like Harrison's just here. Like you said, I mean, he's here working out. I can't believe yeah. that uh, a ball thrown by Will Howard hasn't touched Marvin Harrison Jr.'s fingers yet. So, Fair. And Will Howard, as he told us, was on the verge of going to the NFL himself oh. if he hadn't made this decision to come to Ohio State. So I, he'll be motivated to have a good pro yeah. day throwing session because I imagine that's who it will be. It's just the same thing with Stroud. Like he wants his one-year – out uh sneak peek or whatever mm -hmm. he wants to show nfl uh guys something so that th he's in the back of their mind when this comes around a year later in full force for him so i don't know that that's really going to be uh, an issue i mean uh, depending on who he gets drafted by you know it, the quality of the quarterback may not be all that great either so mm -hmm. um <laughs> probably yeah. probably better than will howard probably better than if, if you don't have a quarterback in the nfl better than will howard and you're drafting in a place where marvin Harrison jr might be available you're drafting a quarterback so never mind take that off the board 
Mark it down. Okay, well, let's wrap up with Marvin Harrison Jr. with this. And if he is going to at least be there, right, because he's got to do the medicals and all that stuff, what what makes him interesting then as a guy who we, we – yes, he's probably going to be a top five draft pick, but what makes him interesting this week where he's literally not doing anything but walking around talking to people and having people measure his body? It, it, part of it is just, you know, being the guy this week. I mean, you're, you know, Caleb Williams and and Drake May are going to get their fair share of attention, as will the other quarterbacks who are first round guys. Let's not forget where this is taking place. This is Indianapolis. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name goes a long way in Indianapolis because it's not just his name. And Marvin Harrison Sr., uh, I was I was living there for a good chunk of it. Like Marvin Harrison Sr. is an icon in Indianapolis, as he should be for everything he accomplished there, helping put that franchise back into, you know, for at least that time, like one of the elites in all of college football or all of the NFL. So that is, I mean, I'm kind of writing about this, I think for Tuesday on the site, if people want to go look at that, it'll be up by the time you listen to this podcast, that it's, it's unfortunate that this is going to maybe be his chance to like be the guy in Indianapolis for the first time. Yes, he was at Big Ten Media Days earlier this year. And that was also kind of like, well, you're not doing anything football related. You're just showing up in a suit and chatting with goofballs like us. Like, and this is his chance to go do football stuff, but he's so great as a player. He's not really going to be doing football stuff. And the Ohio State went three years without getting him to Indianapolis to let him showcase himself as a football player. And that's a bummer. But now he gets to, you know, go off and go off into the NFL, regardless of what goes on this week at the Combine, and extend the Ohio State legacy in another way. Um, it's So there is something this week to just sort of his presence in Indianapolis, his celebrity status, for lack of a better term, in Indianapolis. Um, you know, I think he, people are going to be excited to see him and talk to him. He's one of those buzz names that you'll hear, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was, I, I was at, you know, my my cousin works at whatever restaurant Marvin Harrison Jr. came in last night. That, that sort of thing can bounce around Indianapolis this week. Um, and it's just too bad. It, it's it, I can't <clears throat> I can't look at this week and not think, man, it's so weird that Ohio State never got him here. Three years. Yeah. Two of them with C.J. Stroud. This past year with the defense they had. And you can't get Marvin Harrison Jr. to Indianapolis, which is just kind of uh, stupefying, really. And and some of it's semantic. Some of it is, oh, well, going forward, you could have teams that aren't even as good as the ones they had the last three years and still maybe make it to Indianapolis as long as you're just the second best team in the Big Ten and and not get blocked out by the divisional structure. If the Big Ten had just been on a, a little bit more proactive the way other conferences were, Ohio State would have been in Indianapolis the last couple of years for the Big Ten championship game, and, and there would have been a whole other narrative going on, but uh, not how life works. And this is sort of his last chance to be in the center of things in Indianapolis in a way that he had always dreamed about, had always looked forward to. And other than Big Ten Media Day, like I said, earlier this year, it just didn't come to fruition for him. Marvin Harrison is this first in this run of offensive first rounders we've seen who genuinely never got to Indianapolis and never won a Big Ten championship game. Because even C.J. Stroud, he, as a backup in 2020, he was there. He was yep. just backing up Justin Fields, but he's won a Big Ten championship before. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, he didn't get to go and play in the actual game because he had COVID, but he was on that team. And had he not had COVID, especially with Chris Olave being out, he probably would have stepped up and been out there and not Julian Fleming. So he would have had, he still has a Big Ten championship. Paris Johnson has a Big Ten championship game. Andrew, it's just of this run, Marvin's the first one, three years in, three years out, never got to Indianapolis unless he was talking to us. He was just like, if I asked you to just like use one word to describe that he's not a quarterback, so you don't necessarily hold it against him. But if you had one word to describe that, just that one failure in his career here, which he would describe as a failure. That's the only reason I'm using that word here. What, what, how would you describe it? Disappointing. I think that that's probably the best word because you can, you can point to all the other moments that, you know, he had in his career and that doesn't take away from them. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, those moments are any less significant or were any less cool or anything like that. Like doesn't take away from the fact that Marv torched Penn state, like almost single-handedly. Right. You know, it doesn't do all those things. It just, it leaves you wanting more. 
and it's frustrating from an Ohio State perspective for you know for fans and for the team and for everybody that you have this great player that you could have showcased and in big time games you know those are the dudes that you rely on right you know those are the dudes that get you to the finish line and having a player of that caliber rewarded for such a great career you know i think that that's i think what a lot of people are going to be upset about not that you know oh he didn't get to play in indianapolis or whatever it's that marvin harrison junior came through the building and was this transcendent player i mean we did I forget when we did it during the season, but we did that that Mount Rushmore Ohio State thing where we at receiver where we had Marv number one. And I think a lot of people agreed with us when we did this and we had him at the top and you have a player of that caliber leave without beating Michigan and without winning a Big Ten championship. And I think that that stings just because you couldn't get it done for him. Like you said, it's a, it's a quarterback conversation a little bit. So it's maybe not as you know, or it's certainly not as, you know, on one player as it would be. I don't think even if he was a quarterback, you could really even hold that against him significantly. Um, CJ Stroud was pretty good and, and that never happened for him either. So, um, yeah, I, I think disappointing is, is the phrase because it's, it's not going to hurt him in his, you know, Ohio State legacy of what he did, but it definitely just leaves you wanting more. So Marv headed back to the face. His place, his father helped build alongside Peyton Manning and Edron James and, you know, all those guys, all those guys. He probably won't be in some cool suit like he was at Big Time Media Days because they typically just put all the guys in the same stuff. But that's he won't be doing anything but talking. We're going to take a quick break here. And there's seven other guys who will be in Indianapolis as well and will be doing things. And so we'll get more into the, who those goes. Excuse me, who those guys are when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Eight invites for Ohio State football this year after the 2023 season heading into the 2024 NFL Draft Combine. We thought maybe that number would be higher coming into the season, but obviously a huge chunk of the NFL eligible players for the first time decided to come back. So that list includes outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. Instead, Mayan Williams, the running back, linebacker Tommy Eichenberg, safety Josh Proctor, defensive tackle Michael Hall Jr. as the only other third-year guy to decide to go pro. Linebacker, Steel Chambers, offensive lineman, Matthew Jones, and tight end, Cade Stover. Nathan, when you think about that list, who do you think is the most, the second most intriguing prospect, Ohio State football-wise, as you head to Indianapolis this week? Well, I think there's two. I mean, it's the next two guys who would probably be off the board, and we can talk about them in whatever order you want. I guess let's start with Cade Stover who is getting some real buzz as a potential second round guy. You're seeing him by all the draft Knicks out there ranked as maybe the second best or sorry, third best tight end in this draft class. And I'm curious to know how much he will end up working out in Indianapolis simply because unlike Harrison, I think he actually can help himself. I think you can make a push for being, I mean, you're not going to catch Bowers, but can you establish yourself as the second best all-around tight end in this draft class? Or can, even if you're third, can you establish yourself as, uh, just just push your prospect tier up a little bit so that teams who are considering a number of positions will see a value in taking you that early? Um, he's a really intriguing guy because... While I think there are still some an some questions to be answered when you look at him on film, um, especially as it relates to some of his blocking, blocking in space, that sort of thing, the upside of a lot of his other talents are pretty obvious, and and you see how he could fit into an NFL offense in in a lot of ways. So um, he's intriguing to me this week simply because I do think there is maybe some upward mobility if he has uh, if he decides to do the workouts and has a strong week 
So starting with Stover, obviously came here as a linebacker. It was a multi-sport athlete on Lexington, Ohio. I actually went to see him when he was still in high school at that time. Started as a linebacker, moved to defensive end later in his true freshman season. And then we walked in there for 2020 in those spring practice. And literally the only in-person interviews we had in 2020 with players was the day that we got linebackers and tight ends on the same day. And that's when we found out that Kate Stover was no longer a linebacker. He was with the tight ends. And then obviously – Stayed with the tight ends, but played linebacker for Ohio State against Utah in that Rose Bowl just because they were short on bodies and then fully leaned into being a tight end for the rest of his career and spent the last two years being the most productive tight end Ohio State's had in the last decade or so and a half. And now he potentially could be a second round draft pick. But Andrew, when you look at the production Cade Stover had the last two years, especially mixed with the fact that he had that production despite some of the talent at wide receiver and at, at running back and the known reputation of tight ends at Ohio State and how they don't necessarily get the ball. When you look at the production he had and the fact that he could end up being a second-round draft pick, and at worst, he's probably a day-two draft pick regardless. And then you look at, you've got Jelani Thurman on the roster as a guy who might be able to be a guy who does that production next, whether it's in 2024 or later down the line. How does Cade Stover and what becomes of him in this draft process maybe help Ohio State in terms of tight end recruiting in the future? Um, well, if you would want Cade Stover to go as high as possible, right? So that Cade Stover, you can point and tout and say, hey, guys, look, we had the 58th overall pick in the draft play tight end at Ohio State. Hooray. Look at that. That can be you one day. Because, you know, unless you are a, you know, Brock Bowers type, unless you are a player of that caliber it's pretty hard to go in the first round as a tight end I mean think back to last year Sam Laporta was a second round pick and Michael Mayer was a second round pick and Dalton Kincaid did sneak into the end of the first round Dalton Kincaid also plays in the slot in Buffalo right so there you have to either be a receiver on the outside or unless if you're a tight end full-time you're probably not going in round one so I think Having a tight end in that bucket where you're saying, look at this, this is pretty much where elite tight ends go. This is where high tight ends go. I think that that's a big deal. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it'd be something to tout and it'd be something to put on a pamphlet and it'd be something to talk about in a living room. And that would be really helpful for recruiting. I, um, I'm just I'm curious to see how Cade does in terms of testing. I do think with most guys, I would tell you to just check the tape and say, go watch it. And that's what matters. And that's what should matter. Um, I do think with Cade testing can be important. You know, he's going to go up against a lot of these other, you know, tight ends. You think of a Jatavian Sanders, the kid from Texas, he was a five-star player, really good athlete. Um, Jaheim Bell, the Florida state guy, um, he's transferred, but he's like a, he's a smaller guy. So he's in much more of like a, you can play him in the slot. You can play him as like a traditional like H back or something like that. You know, you can you can play him in a different way because he's more athletic. And I think that if Cade shows up and is, you know, one of those guys that you look at and say, oh, maybe he's a little bit more athletic than I thought, or he ran really well, or he he tested really well physically, I think that that can really boost his status and kind of get him into that area where it can help recruiting like you're talking about. I think Ohio State's after a borderline top 100 tight end in the 2025 class right now named Nate Roberts, who, yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a selling point if the Kate, if he's watching Cade Stover. If you're already maybe starting to lean towards Ohio State and then Cade Stover's a second-round draft pick, I think that can go a long way in continuing this run of uh, high-level tight end recruiting that Keenan Bailey's starting to do here. Yeah, and I think it's also, tight end or not, I think it's a um, it's a selling point for development at Ohio state, like kind yep. of regardless of position. Like, Hey, this guy came here. We didn't know where yep. the heck we were putting him. He was sort of a linebacker. He was sort of a defensive end for a hot minute. And we just knew that he was a good football player that we had to use somehow. And mm -hmm. it took us a minute, but we got him where he was supposed to be. And now look at him. I mean, I don't think any of us when Cade Stover came into this program, or I would even say, I mean, I would go back to, you know, the Rose Bowl in 2021, where he's still playing linebacker because they had such depth issues there. Yeah. And you could see the look on his face of how much he loved playing linebacker. And I'm not sitting there thinking, yeah, this is a guy who could go in the second round as a tight end. I was not thinking that. Yeah. So now, two years later, this is where they got him. And it's I, you said something else I think that's especially important, that 
for Keenan Bailey, who is, I think, just in a vacuum, a good recruiter. I think he, he has a good mm-hmm. connection with guys, and I think that's going to be – it already has been. It's one of the reasons why Ohio State wanted to keep him and, and promote him eventually was because he had shown some acumen in that facility. And uh, he – I think this is a good win for him if mm-hmm. Kate Stover is – probably even just a day two guy. If he falls to the early third round or into the third round, whatever. But if he's like a top 100 NFL prospect and because Cade Stover is the one pointing at Keenan Bailey saying he helped me do this. Yep. And then he's going to give credit to Kevin Wilson too. Obviously that he had a big helped really lay the foundation for that. And there's other people involved too, but what Keenan Bailey was able to help him do in the past couple of years was mm-hmm. I think pretty critical to get him to this point. And, you know, it was a tough task in some ways for Keenan Bailey because you take over a room where there's a clear number one guy and he's the best you've got and he's he's a starter. So he's already at that level. But where do you push him? Because you know where he wants to get as an NFL prospect. And at the same time, you've got to bring up the kind of the I wouldn't say the floor of the room, but you got to bring everybody else in that room kind of back up towards that because of what we saw last year. Cade Stover could get hurt, has to miss a game or two, and who's going to fill in? So uh, I thought it, he he is um, emblematic of the, the early job that Keaton Bailey has done in that group, getting the tight ends to a higher level of performance, but also just pushing him sort of across the finish line. Because I think if you were to go back and like, if you go back to the day Cade Stover walks into this program and say, hey, in five years, that guy's going to be a second round NFL draft pick that might be like the ceiling that you would look at for a guy like him. Cause he's not, yeah. he's not like generationally athletic and generationally like size, whatever, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. at, at, a, at a position like that. So um, to get him to, if he ends up being a second round pick somewhat reflective of what the draft class is, I suppose, but yeah. still big deal for him. Big deal for Keenan Bailey, big deal for Ohio state. Yeah, because I'm glad the Keenan Bailey thing is because even when Kevin Wilson was still in charge of that room, it was Keenan Bailey a lot in the offseason working with Cade Stover, getting his hands right, getting his route running together. And I think to your point, Nathan, you go back to that Utah game, you go, you see that linebacker out there? Potentially right now, potentially the only tight end that's going to go ahead of him in the NFL draft is a guy other people think is maybe a generational tight end. Like that's exactly. what we're talking about right now. That's exactly that's how far he's come in development. And I do think Keenan Bailey is now in a similar position that that Justin Fry was in last year, though I think we have more optimism about where the tight end room could be headed, even if you're still having questions where you took over a room at a time when you knew what your foundation was, you knew who your starting guys were, and you just kind of help them along and get them to where Kate Stover is now. Justin Fry did the same thing with Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones, and Luke Whippler. And now the real work begins because now to your point, you're the floor, the other guys in the room, how have you developed them over the past year that puts them in a position where we're not three or four weeks into the season wondering why this is such a problem for Ohio State. But I do think we all have a little bit more optimism that Keenan Bailey will have that room where it's supposed to be, especially since they went to the transfer portal and brought in Will Kazmarek from Ohio. Nathan, who's the other guy that you would put up there with Case Stover as a second most interesting? Well, it's, it's the other guy that I think has a good chance to be a day two guy, and it's Mike Hall Jr. Mm-hmm. And the, the one – well, not the one early entry. Marvin Harrison Jr. was an early entry, but the other, the more surprising early entry. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe more surprising, in some ways, maybe more surprising across college football than it was for us. I mean, we know that he's got some family situations that have him wanting to to be in the NFL now, get, get that career started. But uh, a guy who definitely has questions to answer. I think consistency of performance is a, is a, not quite. I don't. I don't want to say it that way. Not consistency of performance, but consistency of like NFL performance. Consistency mm-hmm. of like high level impact. I think is a fair question to ask. He's also not a. I mean, he's a big dude. Don't get me wrong. But he's what? He's like two eighty. I think is what he's listed he's, at. Yeah, at the he's senior two eighty. He's not a big dude for a yeah. defensive tackle. He's a he's a big dude for like munchkins like me and and the, <laughs> the the average person walking around in Indianapolis this week. But I he doesn't like. Uh, crush the scale so then how do you do you, can you can you prove your explosiveness your yeah. strength all of those other things in in all the other facets this week uh, but he started doing that at the senior bowl so for people who don't remember it's like we talked about it a little bit at the time but he, he was the only ohio state guy at the senior bowl this year i believe and mm-hmm. 
and went down there and had just a fantastic week. And uh, his measurements were okay. Um, his his arm length is kind of fine. His mm-hmm. wingspan is pretty solid. They had him at 81 and a quarter on wingspan. He's getting only like four guys at the senior bowl, and including all of all the defensive linemen who were there, who were like substantially longer than that. So that's a that's a good thing in his favor to like, you know, keep, you know, to shed blocks. That 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 length is important. Um I just want to see what he does this week. And I'm curious how much he will do this week. Like, will he, because I think he does have a lot to gain Um, coming out with, you know, less on film coming out as maybe less of a known quantity, even than Cade Stover, like let alone Marvin Harrison jr. So does Mike Hall jr. Go ahead and do things like the, the shuttles and the 40 and, and all those things. He's a guy that, uh, that wingspan might almost be in kind of a sweet spot for him too. It's like I said, you want to show how strong you are for maybe not having that much size. Although NFL teams are going to look at him and project where they can put 20 pounds on him pretty mm-hmm. easy, probably. But is that wingspan maybe in that sweet spot? Because sometimes the guys with the longest wingspan, the the bench becomes tough. So is he right in that sweet spot where like, oh, that's a good wingspan, but it's not going to, he can actually still maybe get up a few more reps and, and make that bench press look better. I'm just curious if he's going to do all those things because I, I um, we've seen obviously, like I said, um, you can go back to last year, guys who were ended up getting not even drafted uh, from Ohio State were bowing out of a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. workouts, and and then it either ended didn't also doing them at pro day or were limited at pro day. So if there's no injury involved for Mike Hall Jr. and we don't have reason to believe there is. Um, does he go ahead and, and go out there and try to, again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a version of the Cade Stover situation. Like, you know, defensive tackle, uh, is, could, I don't know whether you, you think that there's going to be a bunch of those guys go in the first round, but I think teams could see a great value in him as a day two guy, because and I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I don't look at him as a high floor guy. I think there's because of all those things I just said, no. there is there is some variance there as to what his career is going to end up being. But I think there's a potentially high ceiling if you if you get all that stuff answered. And I think he's also versatile enough that he could probably be in either. Could he be a, a, a tackle in a three, four, the same as he could be a tackle in a four, three? I, I, I think that's possible. I think there's some versatility there that opens him up to just being more teams potentially being interested in him. I think what he reminds me of in this situation, and now the reasoning is not completely the same, obviously everybody's own individual. And yes, like Michael Hall has some family stuff. While you know, Tommy Togiai though, after the 2020 season where he probably could have come back for a year for Nathan, but he decides to go pro because it, it felt like at the time there was maybe something to tap into. And why not learn that at the NFL instead of spending another year in college football, the Browns took him for in the fourth round with the 132nd pick. He's had some production, 29 total tackles, one sack, uh, two pass deflections, but it hasn't necessarily clicked the same way. So I'm not saying hopefully it's a you know, more productive situation for Mike Hall because you always want to wish the best for people. But I just think that's a similar situation, Andrew, of a guy. And we've seen this around college football. These guys where you probably could come back for another year. But if you've spent two years, especially flashing what your upside is. And NFL teams may be in that later part, and that was maybe the 80 to 120 range where you can maybe take a flyer on a guy. Michael Hall does seem to be a guy who fits that bill. Yeah, I think a couple of the, you know, there were a couple games this year where Mike Hall said it himself, where he was like, I didn't play that well. And, you know, the consistency was always kind of an issue for him in terms of, you know, wanting to be that high level of production and everything just on a week to week basis. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I do get the the leaving early too, especially because of his size. Um, the, a guy that I think of is Kalijah Kansi. Uh, Kalijah Kansi was a first round pick last year out of Pitt. He went to the Bucks. Um, he had a fairly productive rookie year, um, but he weighed in. I think he was like six. He was six one two eighty one when he was at the NFL Combine, and I think that that is kind of the measurement that you're looking at for a Mike Hall. I, it always happens like this. So if, if you hear, I'm telling Ohio State fans this, if you hear it on NFL Network, if you hear it somewhere, not every undersized defensive lineman is Aaron Donald. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> so like you can look at every every Well, I have some news for you. Oh no. In twenty twenty two, when we were asking Zach Harrison and JT Tweemolo out and then later Cam Brown about him, they all said he's baby Aaron Donald. So <laughs> Okay, well that's great. Well, baby Aaron Donald might be the best interior pass rusher that's ever lived. Um, so I'm not gonna put that label on my call. Uh call me crazy. Um, I, I am curious about Mike Hall and his future though. Like I, he's one of the guys where I will watch in the NFL and you can convince me of a myriad of different ranges of outcomes. You could convince me that he's the fourth defensive tackle on a team and he's kind of a pass rush specialist and he doesn't really play every down and he kind of bounces around a little bit. And that's because, you know, he's a fourth round pick. And you could also convince me that he's a second round pick that becomes an immediate starter as a three tech because of that explosiveness, because of that upside. I just think his range of outcomes, kind of what Nathan was talking about. I think his range of outcomes are very wide and you could convince me of a whole heck of a lot with him. I, I, I don't think he can play three tech or excuse me in a 34. I think he has to play three tech in a 43 because he's not a nose. And we're all going to agree with that, but I don't think he's big enough to two gap it. And if you want to make him, you know, Six two three ten. I think you're kind of taking away what he does really well, right? Like you're taking away the explosiveness, or you would assume you're taking away the explosiveness and the burst and all of the things that Mike Hall does that make him an NFL prospect. So I don't think he can play in a 34. I think he has to play a very specific position in a 43 on defense. And I think that that would give me some hesitancy as to where he can go. Because if you're a 34 team, you're probably just scratching him off the list. Or if you have an established three technique, you're probably just scratching him off the list because this is not a guy that you can say, okay, he's a one or a three, and we can kind of rotate that. You're not putting that guy in the middle of your defense because if so, the other team's just going to run dive the whole game. And that's nothing against Mike Hall. He's just a better kind of more explosive lineman that is not your run stuffing, gap stuffing kind of defensive lineman of the past. So yeah, his, his his outlook is fascinating to me for for a handful of different reasons. And with Togiai too, Togiai was a true nose. I mean, that's that was really more where he fit. There was, mm-hmm. I think, less versatility for his uh, when you're when you're projecting him. But he knew he could come to Indy and do, or he was endeavoring to just come in and and crush the bench press because yeah. it was he was like this Thanos guy that like everybody thought was just like the strongest dude in the country, certainly the strongest dude at Ohio state at the time. And he came in and he had a a good bench press. It wasn't like an all time bench press that people thought it might be. And so he at least had that like kind of, he had that combine ready skill. Yeah. That, that, yeah, not just a combine ready skill, but like almost that like advance around ticket Mm -hmm. in his back pocket. And what did he end up being like a third or fourth round pick for the Browns? Yeah. uh, One thirty sec, two overall fourth round. Yeah. So, you know, fine, fine. I just think that there's more. I think people will look at Hall and see less of that. I don't know that he has like that, that like gleaming factor that he can bring into Indianapolis this week or into Ohio State's pro day. Um, Like that one thing that maybe he that just causes people's eyes to to pop out. Uh, But his performance can do that. Like it it was doing that a little bit at the senior bowl. Like he actually beyond what he measured in, in those things, he got into games and was like or into practices and was like throwing people around. And I think mm-hmm. that those, I think people are going to, I think people just are going to see more upside in what he can be at the next level. It's not that being a run stuffer, like Togi, I would project to be uh, with some penetration. Like it's not that that doesn't have value, but I think people look at Hall and say, well, if you only get, what if you only get like 65% of Aaron Donald from him? Well, that's maybe worth a second round pick. That's like, still, that's still, that might be all pro still. <laughs> that's still pretty great. 65% of Aaron Donald might get you at least one all-pro in your career, honestly. I uh, think no, that's a just, fair thing to say. No, 65% I think there's a, of him. There's a lot of guys in the NFL who are 65% of Aaron Donald. 35% is a long way to go. So maybe I should that's maybe fair. I should pick a higher number. Maybe it's like 75%. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I am – the draft process is fun because you always start seeing buzzwords that players use when they're trying to, like, emphasize something about themselves. C.J. Stroud said ball specialist so many times last year to emphasize some things. I wonder if Mike Hall, if how many times we hear explosive, because he's super explosive off the line of scrimmage, off the ball, and how often he's emphasizing that, because I think that's his thing. 
Nathan is how explosive he is in his get off. And whether it's teams looking at tape or him talking with teams over the next couple of weeks here, whether it's on these 30 visits or it's just at the combine or at the pro day or with some of his testing numbers, does that back up some of that? And does he try to emphasize that? So that's probably the top three. We're going to do an exercise as we get closer to the draft where we'll maybe predict where players will go in the 2024 NFL draft. Those are probably the three guys we'll all probably think are the highest. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a first-round draft pick, and it's going to be interesting to see where those two go. We're going to take one last break here, and then we'll get into the other five guys left and just see where Nathan's head is at as he heads to Indianapolis this week on Buckeye Talk. So the only people we haven't talked about so far are Mayan Williams, Tommy Eichenberg, Josh Proctor, Steel Chambers, and Matthew Jones. I'm Stephen Means. That's Nathan Baird. And that's Andrew Gillis. And this is Buckeye Talk. And we're talking NFL Combine as Nathan prepares to head down there for this week to cover it for Cleveland.com slash OSU. So get the text 614-350-3315 as he's talking and watching and listening. That's where all that information goes first. Two-week free trial, 399 after that. Nathan, from the last five people on that list, I just uh, <laughs> who are you who do you think might be able to turn some heads just with how their performance or maybe how they carry themselves this week? Well, I'm I don't know what I think the Tommy Eichenberg outcome is going to be. I think there is a, an opportunity here for him because I think people are going to like what they see from him um, on film in terms of consistency and intangibles, and he's going to come with the full backing of everybody who's come through the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, like, no questions asked, like, they just love this guy, and at the same time, there's he has some work to do in Indianapolis this week to show that he is as athletic as someone like Steel Chambers will probably insist that he is, and Say, oh, no, you guys are, you know, underrating him. You don't realize uh, that he is more athletic. So this will be the opportunity to show him. He'll, he'll go out and put up some numbers, and you can measure those against the other linebackers and and see how it looks. He's another guy that I think uh, there's a big opportunity for him to go through the workouts because when you get into things like the, the, the shuttle drills and the 40 and those sorts of things, um, where do your numbers stack up against the rest of of your position? And I suppose, I don't know that I think he can push himself into day two, like maybe late day two, like third round guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he may be more of like an early day three guy, but uh, that could, that's still a good position to be in as far as, you know, getting on a roster and, and being able to maybe hang in the NFL for a while. So the other advantage he has is his brother being in the NFL already. Um, so he's, from a number of angles, I think he's probably going into this with a good mindset and you know, nobody's going to take it more seriously than him. So I, I'm, I am intrigued by what he does this week in Indianapolis, because it's to some extent, it's not like we've called him a try hard player that there's definitely more to him than that. And that was exhibited most in 2022 mm -hmm. uh, this past year, uh, the injuries got in the way and made it tough. And I don't know that we ever saw the defense changed a little bit too. So he wasn't used in quite the same way, but I, I would have to think that there's NFL teams who can look at what he did in 2022. And if he puts up the right projections can see where he can similarly be a weapon in their defense as well. Part of me wishes he was a more high profile player and just like how people viewed him as a talent coming into this draft only because I would have loved to see him at one of the big podiums, not answer questions for, 15 minutes instead of being at just like a table maybe in the back yeah I, the other thing too though is i think he will do well in the team interviews oh the for team sure interviews, oh yeah oh yeah the team interviews he's going to walk in there and they're going to be like oh you're just like the linebackerist linebacker in this yes. class and the, there's teams that are really going to like that and they're not going to care that he sort of uh, keep, keeps it short with us nor should they really so I, I think he's going to do very well in, in the one-on-one -on -one sessions that he gets. And it's another thing that's going to help his status. I think those meetings are going to help boost Tommy's stock. I still think probably a day three guy, but early day three instead of late day three. And I think a lot of that might be when they start picking his brain. I have no doubt in my mind that he will impress people in the meetings. I just know that at the podium with us, it's going to be funny to watch because – it's going to be a lot of, have you talked with this team? Urgh. 
Have you talked with this team? <laughs> Tommy, what do you think your legacy is at Ohio State? <laughs> Tommy, who are some of the linebackers who are still in the room that you think could have a jump this year? <laughs> K Powers, CJ, James Ornitis. Andrew, when you look at the remaining five guys, Nathan went with Tommy Eichenberg. Is there a guy from that from that the remaining five that you think can maybe turn some heads in the Indianapolis this week? Well, I'm just kind of focused more on your growling than anything else. I don't think that was grunting. I, that was more growling. Um, the five guys that could turn some heads. Um, no, I I I think Eichenberg's probably of that group, like the one because a lot of these other guys you don't want to just. I'm not trying to cast them aside before they get their combine started, but they as are a little ca- bit as he, pretend, as he prepares to cast them yeah, aside. Right, but they're, they, they are, are a little bit older, um, like older players, kind of more or less kind of are what they are as they get to the NFL. Um, you know, like Josh Proctor is a late round guy. I'm not sure that's changing a whole lot. Matt Jones, same thing. You know, they've been around school for a while. Um, Steel Chambers, I think he's a late round guy. Um, I think he's you know, a little bit different maybe than like a Josh Proctor, but there's, you know, there's kind of similarities there. So I, I you know, Mayan Williams, it's, it's all injury related. Um, so for me, for Tommy Eichenberg, it's, are you athletic enough to play special teams? Because if you're not going to be a first or a second round pick, odds are you're showing up to a team that needs or that doesn't need like an immediate starting linebacker, right? You know, you, odds are you're showing up to a team where you are competing for one of the two linebacker spots, assuming that you're, you know, playing in a normal defense where, you know, it's like a 4-2-5 or a 34. Um, and even those defenses now are kind of trending more towards defending the pass and you need athleticism to play that linebacker spot. So my question about Tommy, not for Tommy, about Tommy is can that guy move well enough and can he be good enough in space as a tackler? Because we've seen what he can do in that area of, you know, linebacker to line of scrimmage, that level of tackling, that level of awareness, that level of knowledge. And and obviously we all agree he's going to test really well and he's going to impress a lot of teams with, you know, that kind of background and that kind of knowledge. So he's good in that area. And I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. But in the NFL, if you're not starting, you got to contribute somewhere, right? They don't have a lot of backup spots that are just backup spots. And especially at a position like linebacker, you got to know how to play special teams. And I'm curious if he can be, if he shows something that can be a special teams contributor, because if he can't, then I'd start to have some concerns about his draft stock, right? And I mean, obviously I would have that concern about his defensive ability too, if his like if his numbers aren't well or, or don't test well at the combine or something and teams really start to look at him and go, I don't know if we can play him on defense as it is. I, cause then I don't know about special teams. So I think if you can do well enough in open space movement drills, fluid with your hips, you know, good with explosiveness out of, um, you know, out of a stop start position. I think that those are the things that really can kind of elevate him to a different level because then you're talking about a guy who, okay, at worst, we're talking about a special teams guy, a guy that might be, you know, down the line, a special teams captain, something like that. Whereas if he can't play on special teams, then I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with his NFL prospects. So let's wrap up with this as we look forward to the future a little bit. Obviously, I think a year ago, Nathan, we were looking at this combine and maybe Ohio State could have a significant number of players when you're talking about people graduating, but also that 2021 class. How many of those guys could be three and done football players? So many of those guys outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. And Michael Hall came back, and then obviously Kyle McCourt has transferred. But the other players who were impact players in their third year at Ohio State are all back in Columbus this year. And you mix that with a pretty decently sized senior class. I look at the invites by school over the last two years. Obviously, Michigan, who had a very large senior class, has 18 invites this year. Alabama had 13 last year. I, it's maybe a two-part question. Do you think they can have more than what Alabama had in 2023? And but also, do you think they can flirt with what Michigan's with Michigan's 18 number this year in 2025 for that NFL Combine? If you had to project a, a year from now, yeah, that, the 13 number is going to be easy to get to. I think. I think mm-hmm. you can get to. I mean, it's going to be 
nine of this year's starters on defense at least, yeah. probably, and a handful of guys on offense. I think you're going to get to 13 pretty easily, um, even not, not, not just as draft picks, but as probably guys who are getting invited to Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. I mean, I really wonder how this would have turned out this year. I think 18 is going to be tougher. It's That's just a whole bunch of guys, but um, not, to, again, it's the difference between guys who will get drafted or guys who actually get invited to the combine. Sometimes those things are 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 not a one for one trade. And at the same time, if Ohio State finds a way to finish off that game in Ann Arbor, maybe it goes on and wins a national championship. Michigan doesn't get to even get in the playoff. And a lot of these guys who came back this year might have been compelled to not come back this year. Might have been, hey, we won a national championship. We beat Michigan. We won the, you know, all these things. Like I'm ready to go to the NFL now. And maybe even that, you know, if if, if Jack Sawyer is having games like he did in the Cotton Bowl on the playoff stage, you know what I mean? Like that elevates his draft stock, those sorts of things. So it's interesting to think about what this could be, because you would have you could imagine if Ohio State had won the national championships, you're coming in off of that. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. as the first non quarterback pretty much guaranteed to go. And then you've got this whole slew of other guys like Ohio State would be sort of the talk of Indianapolis this week, I think. Uh, obviously, still some intrigue as, as far as the quarterbacks and what happens there and all that. But you would have a, a big contingent of Ohio State guys in Indianapolis this week. And that same thing could happen next year. Mm-hmm. Like if they follow through on what has been put together with this roster, and if you can finish off and win those final games the way that they haven't been able to the last couple of years, and now you're coming in off of a, a championship with uh, and I don't know if we think that there's anybody, maybe, uh, that would project to go top five, even top ten status out of the guys who came back. But there's certainly guys who have that within their reach at, at, mm-hmm. the, at their best, uh, at, the, at the best versions of themselves, whether that's, you know, d- does Denzel Burke and or, and or Davis Nigmanosin come out looking like the best cornerback or one of the two best cornerbacks in next year's class, the two defensive ends. Um Obviously, what goes on at running back, those guys don't t- tend to go that high, and I don't, I wouldn't think either of them project to go that high. But someone like Tyreek Williams, so we talk about him next year, is like, oh no, he went out and confirmed, like he's the best defensive tackle in this draft class or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely some opportunity for a lot of for for a a robust first round for Ohio State next year, and that buzz can start building in Indianapolis next year. So definitely. Uh, going to be an interesting week next year because I think this year it's a little bit I don't want to say underwhelming but it's I think this is the second year in a row that they've sent eight guys we yep. have become accustomed to Ohio State sending closer to you know a dozen or whatever uh, pretty regularly and this year it's just sort of the fluke that everybody except Hall and Harrison came back so it, it does set up next year for it to be a just kind of Ohio State celebration if everything goes right on the field. Andrew, what do you think of Ohio State's ability potentially to to top Michigan's 18 this year when we look at next year's combine? I, I think I, I would have to map it out with the actual numbers and, and kind of who we could talk about. Um, okay, let's do it. Okay, okay. I have it. All right, so, so yeah, go ahead. To Nathan, I, I, well, I have the list, right? Yeah, here. I'm saying I, go ahead. This is without listing off people who could be or third year eligible. This is just guys who are guaranteed to not be back after the 2024 season. That's Will Howard, Travion Henderson, Emeka Buka, Donovan Jackson, Josh Fryer, Josh Simmons, JT Tweemalowow, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Cody Simon, Lathan Ransom. I think they all get invited. That's 14. Yeah. So that already wipes Alabama out with just graduates. So now you're talking about Davis and Igbenosin, uh, Sonny Styles. I got. I would have to think a little. Kenyatta Jackson, maybe if he even with having a share with JT Tuimaloa and Jack Sawyer, maybe he pops in the year. Quinchon Judkins deciding to do so. I think. I think yeah. I, maybe it's gonna be close. So I, I think what we could be in a situation for is Ohio State, because I think there were some of those dudes, especially oh, like I'm a sorry, Kenyatta. Sorry. I forgot one. Seth McLaughlin. Seth, yeah, sure. So, so that would get him. So, I think that would get him to eighteen. But I think that of the list that we just had. But I also think that that would kind of be the high end of some of those outcomes. Like that would entail a situation where Kenyatta Jackson does decide to go pro, right? Like because we listed mm-hmm. him on that list, right? And I don't know how likely that is. And 
it's one of those things where if you just multiply a bunch of or whatever math you would have to do the maybe we should have like fan graphs or somebody do this for us where it's like what happens if you just have a like a 70 percentile outcome and a 65th percentile outcome and an 80th percentile outcome and a 99th percentile outcome and you just add all those things together and what do you get and the odds are not going to be great for Ohio State to hit or surpass 18 but I think we could be in for a situation where they have a stronger 15 you know where Michigan can tout hey look we had 18 and we had all we had it's uh, I Schefter tweeted this out on uh, Monday morning it's the most of any team since at least 2003 and I think Michigan Mm -hmm. might be able to have that but I think Ohio State might be able to have the well we had more players go in the top blank of the draft right? Like I think you're going to be able to say that there's more high end players on Ohio state. Cause look at, you can look at the line, like the players that are in the combine for Michigan and they're obviously all really good players. They won a national championship and you've got, I mean, obviously McCarthy's kind of an interesting conversation in it's in it's in himself, but you got like Blake Corum and Chris Jenkins and Roman Wilson and Zach Zinter and Cornelius Johnson and Trevor Keegan. And you got all of these guys that can go, somewhere in the mid rounds, but I think Ohio state, when you map them out, you can go, okay, JT Tumaloa might be a first round pick and Jack Sawyer might be a first round pick and Emeka Buka might be a first round pick and Denzel Burke might be a first round pick. And you just don't have that with Michigan. So I think Michigan, it's going to be very, very hard. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's going to be very, very hard to hit or surpass 18, but I think it's going to be very, very hard, if not impossible for Michigan to surpass the level of first round draft picks and second round draft picks that the Buckeyes are going to have in, you know, 14 months. So, so I texted about this a couple of weeks ago. And so I thought there were like 15, almost certain draft picks next year. Will Howard, Trevian Henderson, Quinchon Judkins, Emeka Ibuka, Donovan Jackson, Seth McLaughlin, JT Tumaloao, Jack Sawyer, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke, Davis Nigmanos, and Jordan Hancock, Sonny Styles, Lathan Ransom. Like that seems like yep. a very safe, all 15 of those guys getting drafted and all 15 of those guys seem like people who would get a combine invite. Mm-hmm. So then you start looking at some fringe things like does a tight end get invited? Like, you know, as athletic as G Scott jr. Is, mm-hmm. uh, is Will Kazmarek coming out and is he someone who would get invited? Um, is there someone else on the offensive line? Josh Fryer, I guess perhaps who would get invited. I, I think, I think Fryer and if Simmons comes out, which I think he will, I think Matthew Jones getting an invite this year, I think that's a good bar of whether or not those two, would, especially maybe Simmons more Fryer. Yeah, I think, boy, I'll, I'll be interested to see if Simmons comes out after just three years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, I don't know. Is, it, is this year three or year four for him, though? I think he might be in year four. Is he might be in year four? Yeah, he might yeah. be right. Um, yeah, boy, he'll need a good year. I know. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's out of reach. I'm just a, a little bit it'd be it's, a little it's, bit surprised. It'd be um, I, I it's I think that was fifty fifty because it's like there's two years of playing left tackle at Ohio State. Is that enough film for him to feel like he can go? Yeah. No, like this list doesn't include Cody Simon that I no. that I put out. Yeah. So I mean there's you can get now what do we we're up to already like five or six, like yeah, maybe I think something mm-hmm. like you maybe in the right circumstance these guys could come. So uh you know it's not it's not impossible, and especially with that offensive line, like there's there are mm-hmm. guys who if they make a jump, but I think it's gonna take a jump. Like, you yeah. know, Fryer is actually maybe the interesting one. Like if 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 Matt Jones can go, then if Josh Fryer comes back and has a better year, yeah. could he go? I, I think that's within I think that's in with within the realm of possibility. That'd be good for him, Indian, Indiana guy going to the combine in Indianapolis. So you can see where they get to eighteen. It's just going to be some of those guys on the fringe are going to have to to maybe take a jump this coming year. I think that's a good. The floor is already setting up an opportunity to do so, and now it's about can a group of maybe four or five or six guys whether it be guys who are maybe potential three and done guys or guys like Josh Fryer, Josh Simmons, who are older guys, 
do they do enough to where they can leave? And then it becomes a concept of do they get an invite? Because that getting an invite isn't completely always in your control. Some of those guys even might need to use the senior bowl to help them solidify that invite in some ways that we've seen other people do as well. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. Next year is going to be hectic. For this year, though, just eight guys going to the combine for Ohio State. That's Marvin Harrison Jr. That's Cade Stover. That's Michael Hall Jr. That's Tommy Eichenberg. That's Josh Fry. Excuse me, Josh Proctor. Mayan Williams, Matthew Jones, and Steel Chambers. Nathan will be there, boots on the ground in Indianapolis, where he used to live for a while there. So returning home a little bit. So get the text, 614-350-3315. All news, all analysis, everything he hears, everything he sees, everything he talks about. He's going to go to his phone first, and he's going to text that. He's not going to text that number, but he's going to text it there first. Two-week free trial, 399 after that. We've got some spring ball related stuff coming this week. Obviously, we'll check back in with some combine stuff as Nathan talks with some people. And uh, we got some other interesting stuff as, as well, as well as the Tuesday pod. No, excuse me, the Wednesday pod. This is the Tuesday pod. The Wednesday pod is going to be us talking with Andrew about his trip around the DMV, talking to some pretty important people to Ohio State on the recruiting trail. So a good week of pods for you. And obviously, spring practice starts next Tuesday, March 5th, inside the Woody Weir. We're hoping to be there. The schedule is not out yet in terms of our media schedule, but we're hoping, at least based off history, that we'll be in the building for that first practice. So get the text 614-350-3315. For Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.